Welcome to History of a Haunting, episode number 114, <laughs> I think. It's a lot. I, I'm i just blown away. Uh, yeah, 114, I believe. Um, I'm Carrie. I'm Laura. She's Laura. Yeah. Yeah. We're your hosts most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. Most All of the time. All the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> too often, I may say, too often. <laughs> uh, we have a really interesting show for you guys today, tonight, this morning, whenever you're listening to us, in the car, in the shower, at home. Aaron, I'm looking at you. Um, but before we get to the show, as always, guys, we have EVPs or Endless Vocal Prattling. P- plattling. You're doing good already. Should probably have another sip of wine. <laughs> Prattling. That um, we, you know, updates and announcements, fun things like that, a bunch of bullshit that we want to talk to you guys about and waste your time until we get to the meat and potatoes of the show. Uh, but really, this is an important one. So, guys, as we had mentioned, we are going to be participating in the Betty White Challenge. And that is going to be on January 17th, 2022, what would have been her 100th birthday. So what we are doing is um, we are the podcast, us as individuals and our families. We are donating $5 to a local shelter or rescue in Betty White's name. And we certainly hope that you decide to join us for this momentous movement, um, one that she surely deserves. She was a very, very well-known advocate for animal rescues and um, all kinds of animal rights um activism so we are here for this challenge this sounds like a lot of fun and we certainly hope that you guys will join us in it as you can see we have all of our pictures of our adorable wonderful pets we got tater and eddie and chewy and leia and then ms betty white herself um and this is actually one of my favorite pictures of her so i included that in the in the uh overlay here so yeah join us on january 17th five dollars to a local shelter or rescue please make sure to make it in betty white's name so that's um that's what i have uh for evps for the show i don't have any really for me do you have anything any funny stories any more penis lube that you were meant for you that was given to someone else i wish um (laughs) no (laughs) um nope i'm trying to get a handle on all my garage ah okay and organizing and all of those sorts of super fun adulty things. Yeah. So nothing very exciting. Homeownership is kind of a bunch of bullshit, if you ask me. Really? It really is. I need someone to come. I need like a more adultier adult <laughs> <laughs> to yes. come do these things for me. So many more adultier adults I need in my life. <laughs> right? Me too. Although my dad did come install my ring for me, my ring camera. Oh, that's the doorbell right. Today. Good, good. So nice. But, you know, Zane goes in and out so much, it's oh, already annoying me. I've had it for like eight hours. <laughs> this shit is a little bit intense. Right. How do I shut this off, Dad? <laughs> right. Yeah. 
we have one of those too and i've got to figure out how to like i don't know if you can change the sensitivity on it but like when we had um at christmas we had one of our inflatables on the patio and if it was windy and he would like blow forward and back my phone would blow up with the doorbell has detected a person the doorbell has detected a person and i'm like oh my god it happened while we were doing the live at the stanley hotel Oh, the, it, this it was that one was a pumpkin three pumpkins and it was and so I kept looking at my phone and it was like guardian has detected a thing guardian has detected a person and I'm like son of a bitch so yeah I need to try to figure out how to turn the sensitivity on and off but yeah well good luck with that you need an adultier adult <laughs> I need an adultier adult so if there's anybody listening please please um yay I love it though Ring doorbells are really cool. Jennifer's always sending me videos <laughs> of the fucking mailman that just like hooks packages up to her front door <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> She's like, that asshole. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. So hopefully you'll send me some of those fun videos too. Yeah, it's mostly going to be Zane ringing the doorbell and running in the house. That's oh, so he That's rings the doorbell and then runs in? It's not just him going in and out and it's chiming? No, before he was ringing the doorbell. <laughs> he just likes to ring it to be annoying and then laughs when he comes in the house. <laughs> and then, so now it's just him going in and out both. And then also he likes to ring the doorbell. That's and funny. now it's something new for him to fucking touch, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Thank God you don't have a dog because every time that somebody rings our doorbell, oh my God. It's insanity. It's so loud. Yeah. It's so loud. I remember going up to your house. Yeah. My my old dog used to bark a lot when the door would, doorbell would go off, but usually she was pretty chill, so she didn't oh, get yeah. too riled. Yeah. See, they, they all rile each other up. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good times with that. Cool. <laughs> that was our house in Austin, though. Somebody would walk by, and there were always people outside. Oh, like, yeah. And being healthy or whatever. Yeah. And uh, the dogs would just go bananas. <laughs> I had to keep the blinds closed a lot in the front of the house because otherwise they would just be going crazy. Losing their shit. Yeah. And That's like, how mine there are is. people outside. Yeah. Oh my God. Living their lives. How dare they? Yeah. yeah. Right. For sure. Um, but also animals are wonderful. They are. So donate, <laughs> donate. to your <laughs> rescue and shelter to save them. Um, it's magical. Go get a pet. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Cool. No other updates and announcements that you want to... That's all I got, really. That's all that's you most got. exciting that's happened. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, why don't you tell them the episode title and where we're taking them today? We are going to cover the UFO abduction of Travis Walton. Yes. That was uh, in our home state of Arizona. That happened. Sorry. Sources. <laughs> Sources um, are dreadcentral.com, ranker.com, huffpost.com, and wired.com. Yes. Yes. I do have a funny story about this later. Remind me at the end of the show, and I'll tell you. Okay. I'm going to write it down, because if I don't, I won't remember. All right. I probably won't either, so hey. Everybody's going to listen to me write it down. (laughs) We're trying to be adultier adults. We're trying to be, Yeah. (laughs) Okay, here it is. Laura's story. Ha ha. So, okay. All right. What's that funny? But now there's a lot of build up to it. And I'm feeling like kind of insecure about it. 
<laughs> I'm just going to be like, that was it? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's get started. Yeah. Um, a recent survey found more than half of all Americans believe in aliens, an idea mainstream enough that even Hillary Clinton brought it up. Still, it's hard to take seriously anyone who says he was abducted by E.T. I'd like to be Such abducted stories, by E.T. I mean, who didn't? As but him specifically, not like, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, can you make my bike fly? When I was right. a kid, I don't know how many times I saw that movie. Right. Oh, God. So uh, many. Oh, dude on Reese's Pieces can't eat him to this day. <laughs> right? I have one of those little plastic ETs. God, I love to eat. Mm-hmm. Me right. too. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Such stories usually bring to mind little green men with an affinity for putting probes where no one wants a probe. I mean, clearly some people want a probe. <laughs> um, even the most seasoned UFOologist... Is that what we call it? UFO is that that's, that's what they logist UFO that sounds like a philologist UFOologist UFOologist I don't know. All right, we're gonna go with that. I'm we'll sure some you. one of them is listening. So if that's what no. we call you, let us know. All right, <laughs> um, and they will tell you that it's wise to be skeptical of alien abductions. But the Travis Walton alien abduction story is one that's incredibly hard to disprove. In fact, no one has ever been able to truly debunk this case. Many people who have been abducted by aliens can only offer their version of events. But Travis Walton had six friends to corroborate his story of being picked up by a UFO one night in 1975. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's, maybe you could get one person alive for you, but six. Right. Yeah. Well, especially after this came out under such scrutiny too, to like, actually, you know. Right. Yeah, for sure. So before Travis Walton became a world-famous alien abductee, he was just a simple logger living in Arizona. But after his abduction, his story was turned into the film Fire in the Sky. And he became a lifelong mis- he began ugh, a lifelong mission You're doing great. to prove that he had survived being picked up by extraterrestrials. On November 5th, 1975, Travis Walton was working as a lumberjack in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. After a hard day at work, he loaded up in a truck with six of his co-workers and headed back towards the nearest town, Snowflake, Arizona. Why does this town constantly come up on our podcast, by the way? Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Something something weird going on in Snowflakes. Something weird going Snowflake. on in Snowflake. Yes. yes. <laughs> My father is buried in Snowflake. Oh. He well, lived maybe there. He's, maybe yeah. that's him. Maybe it's him. Maybe he's just trying to tell me he's with me. Oh, maybe. Thanks, Dad. I never knew. Right. <laughs> anyway, this is Travis Walton, guys. This is not my dad. <laughs> um, on a less personal note. <laughs> Seriously. As they drove on with night settling in, they witnessed a saucer-shaped object just 100 feet in front of them. Mike Rogers, a member of the group, would later describe it as a luminous object shaped like a flattened disc. Walton got out of his truck and approached the craft to get a better look and was thrown to the ground by a bluish beam for his troubles. His crew drove off, freaked out of their gourds, but after a few minutes, they returned to where they'd seen the craft and Walton was gone. Do you know how fucking pissed I'd be if you took off and left me there? Later. I mean, to be honest, I probably fucking would. I'd be like, I'm sorry, bye. Got out of the car. <laughs> ah, great. No crazy dark roads with you then. All right, definitely not. Uh, the crew claimed that they searched the area and that Walton, along with the luminous craft, was gone. Later, Walton would describe the beam as a blast of energy. 
I was curious. I just wanted to see it up close. I thought it would be gone before I got up to it. Afterwards, when some of the other loggers theorized that Walton approached the ship because he was under outside control, he admits that he was entranced, but it, but that it was because of his fascination with the craft. Walton continued, when I got up close to it, it suddenly got louder and started to move. After the craft started to move, Walton says that he jumped away and tried to run towards the truck, and that's when he was hit with the beam of light. Walton says that when he was hit with the long blue flame, his body went numb. He believes that it may have been an electrical blast that zapped him. But even he admits that he was not entirely sure what hit him. Hmm. Uh, Quote, when I was first able to focus my eyes good enough, I was still on the table. And as soon as I saw this face and knew it wasn't human, I tried to hit it away from me. They were much smaller than me, and I think that's the reason they gave up. Once they found out they couldn't control me, they split. I was absolutely terrified. Um, After escaping the three alien examiners, Walton found himself in a mysterious room with nothing but a chair and a control panel. He circled the room to make sure he was alone before sitting in the chair to collect his thoughts. According to Walton, as soon as he sat down, a collection of lights filled the room. He noticed that it was similar to that of a planetarium, and when he adjusted a lever on the side of the chair, he was able to control the star map that was displayed in front of him. After leaving the chair, the star map disappeared and someone slipped into the room. Rather than finding one of the five-foot-tall examiners, Walton was face-to-face with a six-foot-tall human wearing blue coveralls with a glassy helmet. That's creepy as hell. Right? For real. I think that's worse. I think, While trying to ask the man questions, Walton realized that he couldn't understand a word that the guy was saying, probably because of the helmet, and that his eyes were a bright gold color. This man led him... It was Edward Cullen. (laughs) Might have been. It was Edward Cullen. He was probably glittering. He probably was. That's why he had the helmet. The man that uh, led Walton through the ship, showing him a kind of hangar and another ship before leading him to another examination room where he was knocked out by one of the examiners. Meanwhile, while Travis Walton was being poked and prodded by examiners aboard a mysterious ship, the members of his crew were dealing with a glut of legal problems. Yeah. Over the next few days, the local sheriff's department would conduct a thorough investigation of the scene. Since they couldn't find Walton anywhere, this led to a suspicion being placed on his crew. Had they murdered Walton and tried to cover it up? Were they trying to get out of a government contract? Theories about the men were flying wildly, but nothing made sense. The men each underwent polygraph tests, and all but one of the men passed. The sixth test was inconclusive. Yeah, polygraphs I don't put... There's a lot of ways that they could be manipulated, I think. Agreed. Yeah. While the idea that a crew of vloggers murdered their boss sounds enticing, some of the less less inflammatory members of the media just assumed that the crew was joking about the abduction and that it had gotten out of hand. After the scrutiny that the crew was put through, they probably wish that they had pulled off the world's longest prank. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. (laughs) No. Five days after he disappeared from the forest outside Snowflake, Arizona, Walton woke up on the side of the road in Heber, Arizona, 30 miles southwest of where he was last seen. He remembers seeing the alien craft close its door and float away into the distance. For an instant, it floated silently above the road a dozen yards away. I could see the night sky, the surrounding trees, and the highway center line reflected in the curving mirror of its hull. Then abruptly, it shot vertically into the sky, creating a strong breeze that stirred the nearby um, pine bows and rustled the dry oak leaves that lay in the dry grass beside the road. 
this is all very specific. You know what I mean? Like, this is all very specific. Mm -hmm. Even if he did take those five days to concoct it, I really don't think that, especially if once his friends were starting to, they were starting to insinuate that they thought that they had murdered him, how many of those six friends would have been like, would have just kept with the story? For what? To what end? To what end? Right. It wasn't like he was going to be like, now we're definitely going to get a book deal out of this. We're definitely going to get a movie deal out of this. So no matter what they do. Just stick with it. Just stick with it. I wouldn't. You'd be on your fucking own. (laughs) And you wouldn't know that he was ever going to come back. So you would really be like thinking you were going to get charged with murder. With murder. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So um, after the craft left, Walton ran into town and tried to find someone to help him. But the town was conspicuously empty. He ended up getting in touch with his brother-in-law at 12.05 a.m. And about an hour later, he was back in civilization, although he'd only believed he'd been gone for about an hour and a half. So he had run to this phone bank. And I have that picture here, too. I think this is the right one. Let me just check, guys. Sorry. If anybody wants to produce this show for free, let me know. <laughs> Yay! That is the exact uh, phone bank that he ran to um, when he uh, called his brother-in-law at 12.05 a.m. What I found super funny about this picture is, look, you can see there is no longer a phone in that one Right? I was like, is it still there? What's happening? Kids, this is what pay phones used to look like. So um, once Walton returned from the ship, his family did their best to keep him out of the public eye, but that obviously wasn't going to happen in the Mm. five days that he'd been gone the media and ufologists had descended on arizona to cover this insane story so rather than giving the guy time to recuperate he was immediately put on the defensive he was quickly given a lie detector test that he failed Depending on which side of the story you believe, Walton had either been through a massive amount of trauma and shouldn't have been expected to answer questions under duress, or he just returned from hiding in the woods for five days and hadn't fully figured out his story. Which, again, how do you not fully figure out your story in five days? You're literally doing nothing but hiding and concocting Mm -hmm. a story, but you still, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Whatever the case, when Walton was given subsequent lie detector tests, he passed with flying colors. So even though Travis Walton's story is completely backed by MUFON, M-U-F-O-N, the Mutual UFO Network, there are some people out there who didn't think that anyone was actually abducted by aliens in this scenario. The most vocal of Walton's proponents was Philip Klass, a UFOologist who believed that most UFO sightings were cases of ball lightning or just straight up hoaxes. I don't know what ball lightning is. Do you? Yeah, I think we talked, for some reason, I think we talked about it before. It's like a weird lightning phenomenon. Is it specifically like in like, like a mountainous? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that much about it. I'm not a fucking meteorologist, Carrie. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I just, you were just like, it looks like a ball. (laughs) You dumbass, Carrie. I know that we've talked about it before. um, Have we? 
I swear. So it's an unexplained phenomenon described as luminescent spherical objects that vary from pea size to several meters in diameter. Though usually associated with thunderstorms, the observed phenomenon is reported to last considerably longer than a split-second flash of lightning bolt and is a phenomenon distinct from St. Elmo's fire. I love that movie. Right. St. <laughs> Elmo's fire is... Um, doesn't that have something to do with planes? I don't remember now. <laughs> All right, you no, look that no. up. Let's look that up. Okay. Um, oh, it's a weather phenomenon. In, okay, St. Elmo's Fire is a weather phenomenon in which luminous plasma is created by a corona discharge from a rod-like object such as a mass spire, chimney, or animal horn in an atmospheric oh. electrical field. Oh. Okay. It has also been observed on the leading edges of airplanes. That's where I know it's from. Um, oh. As in the case of British Airways Flight 9, the intensity of the effect of blue or violet glow around the object, often accompanied by a hissing or buzzing sound, is proportional to the strength of the electric field and therefore noticeable primarily during thunderstorms or volcanic eruptions. Oh, wow. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah, I did know that it has, a, like, happened, I think, in, you know, in conjunction with planes. Yeah. Okay, um, so it turns out you can be a meteorologist, Laura. I can, and just okay. give me that like a minute and Google, and we got the shit. Down. Okay, I'm gonna add that to hey. your bio on the website, um, and podcast meteorologist, mm-hmm. <laughs> Catholic uh, Catholicism expert, and podcast meteorologist. Um, so I'm Cath- about an expert as much as it works out perfect. <laughs> So Cass also claimed that Walton had watched the UFO incident, which was a made-for-TV movie about the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill a few weeks prior to claiming that he had been abducted. And I guess details in Walton's story allegedly closely matched what was shown in the film. Have you ever heard of that abduction? I haven't. It was, um, I think it was in the 1950s, -hmm. 1960s, this couple had together been abducted by a UFO. Um, so they had, in the, like, 73, I think, this made-for-TV movie came out about their story. Mm-hmm. So Class felt that Walton was either inspired by the film to pull off a hoax or that he was confusing his memories with scenes from the film. Mm-hmm. So aside from Class, several people claimed that Walton had been drinking or was on drugs at the time of his abduction. Walton has always claimed that he was sober at the time of the event, noting that he had been using a chainsaw only one hour or so prior to the event. So wouldn't really be smart to be high or wasted and wielding a chainsaw. So, yeah, he told the Huffington Post, quote, the accusation that it was all a drug hallucination um, were the accusations that it was all a drug hallucination were refuted by the fact that my blood samples went through the County medical examiner's drug screening when he came back, which I don't know how great they were. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how great they were in 1975. Like now, you know, they can do a hair collect and know every drug that you've done in the last seven years, but I don't know how great they were in 75, but I would imagine wouldn't show up anyway. A lot of hallucinogenics wouldn't show up. So Mm -hmm. taking hallucinogenics, in, in an hour. Right. <laughs> right. 
So apparently, this is what I thought it was interesting. And I do also have that picture as well. Let me just make sure it's in the right. Um, apparently, the area where um, the UFO blasted him with a mysterious ray before abducting him has begun to experience a strange amount of growth. After coring out a section of trees in the area and submitting them for testing, it was concluded that something weird definitely happened to the area where Walton says he was abducted. Tests indicate that for 15 years after the abduction, the trees experienced rapid growth. Furthermore, tree trunks that face the UFO have a series of rings that are incredibly wide and elliptical rather than the standard concentric rings that most Mm -hmm. trees in that area have. Tests also show that there was some chemical change in the soil, although further investigation has to be done yet to determine the cause of the change. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That's super interesting. Yeah, for sure. So it's believed that most human alien... No, most human aliens. <laughs> those folks from Mexico. We're talking to you, Elon Europe. Musk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is... Oh, God. Don't sue us. You're not getting anything out of us if you do. Um, (laughs) It's believed that most alien abductions occur because extraterrestrials want to study our bodies, put chips in us, and possibly create alien-human hybrids a la Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) And success. And yay. (laughs) Um, But Travis Walton doesn't feel like that's why he spent five days aboard an alien vessel. Walton believes that his crew stumbled upon the aliens who were doing some research and that he wandered too close to their beam. After he was zapped with an accidental energy blast from the ship, Walton feels like the aliens wanted to make sure he was okay, so they airlifted him into their ship. Um... He says, in hindsight, I'm thinking a lot of that a lot of the fear I was reacting with and the pain I was experiencing had nothing to do with being anything with. Had nothing to do with anything being (laughs) inflicted on me. Maybe I've been abducted by aliens. Maybe they scrambled my brain. Um, It was just sort of an accident (laughs) of circumstance. Aliens, i.e. wine. I board the Franzia ship every night. (laughs) That's what we shall call it from now on. Yes. Um, So these days, the area where the event happened is a very different place than it was in 1975. In 2002, a wildfire destroyed the area. The logging road Travis and his friends were on that night has since been decommissioned by the Forest Service. So in 1979, Travis did write a book about his experiences called The Walton Experience. The movie Fire in the Sky that Laura had mentioned earlier was adapted from this book and into a horror film in 1993. So Travis Walton actually never went back to logging and he has actually spent the last 40 years of his life touring the country, giving talks at UFO conventions and things like that. Um, He occasionally takes groups up to the area in the Apache Sitgraves National Forest where something extraordinary, whether it was extraterrestrial or a hoax, happened all those years ago. And this is him today. Maybe if I get the picture right. (laughs) Yes, this is him today. Nice. Yes. So he kind of looks like the MyPillow guy. He kind of does. Oh, my God. That's who he looks like. 
<laughs> That's who he looks like. Um, <laughs> wonder if he is. We should look into that. What's that guy's name? Oh, Mike? Shit. Somebody? I don't know. Something like that. Something like, like that. Um, like crazy eyes. <laughs> so... Wong addresses uh, the stigma that he and so many other people who claim encounters with impossible or Jesus. I really this I haven't had that much wine, guys. I swear. <laughs> Let's try this again. Walton addresses the six. <laughs> Maybe st- you should have more. Maybe that's, the Maybe that's the problem. He addresses the stigma that he and so many other people who claim encounters with possible alien beings are generally considered unreliable wackos. He says, quote, the scientific evidence of the likelihood of intelligent life in our vicinity has become so overwhelming that people who believe that we're alone in the universe, those are the kooks. And that, guys, is the story of the abduction of Travis Walton. I do have one final picture to show, and this is actually of one of the trees that they cored out um, the center of. Maybe. We'll see. Nope, that's me. Hi. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. So this is that tree. I am not... Mm -hmm. An arborist or a tree person. Um, So Mm -hmm. I really couldn't. I have no idea. This. I don't know. Yeah. I see rings. I see rings. I I see Mm -hmm. rings and I see some sap. I see some bark. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a very pretty tree. No. (laughs) Probably was a very pretty tree. Yes. So. yeah, that's that's the story. I really like it. I have never seen that movie, Fire in the Sky. Have you? Yes. So that mm. actually is what my story is. Is that your so, story? Oh, right here. It is. So Laura's story. Ha-ha. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so um, 1993, the movie comes out. Uh, my friend and I go see it in the movie theater. Um, totally creeped us out. But the thing was, I was I knew I was moving to Arizona. at that time and that is like the that and like pump up the volume were the only things I really and I had been here once but those are the only things I really knew about Arizona I was like so the kids look cool and listen to good music and then also I might be abducted by fucking aliens (laughs) don't go in my friend's like she's like don't go in the forest Mm -mm. like I won't oh my god but I remember how badly that movie freaked me Really? I've got to watch it now. I've never seen it. And, you know, I my grandmother lived in Payson, and Payson Mm -hmm. is not far from Sholo, Heber, Snowflake area. So I would go up and spend, like, most of my summers up there. We'd go every holiday. We spent up at my grandmother's in Payson. And she lived in a trailer park in Star Valley just outside of Payson. And it was Mm -hmm. bumped up against the... Toronto National Forest. Mm-hmm. My friends and I would go and dick around in that forest for hours. At night, it didn't matter. There were bears. We knew it. We were just like, whatever, la, 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 play out in the forest. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had ever, ever, ever known any kind of thing that happened like this anywhere near that area, I would not have done it. Right. I was blissfully unaware, but it's beautiful out there. We 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 cr- so we came pretty. up with a club and we made a fort and we mm-hmm. hung sheets from trees and 
it was the best time, but I can, I can kind of see where that would, might be, you know, good area to just, you know, fly in and take a look at. And I mean, the Southwest in general has, I mean, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, Mm. all of this area, Nevada, Mm. um, Utah, there's Skinwalker Ranch sightings over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what do you think? Do you, you think this the story lights is true? That flew over Phoenix. Oh God, you the Phoenix lights. Yeah, I've seen those. I've, I've seen those. I saw them in 1997. We saw those lights. We didn't. Mm-hmm. I thought they were just airplanes. They were just kind of. That's what I thought too. Waiting to land at the airport. I didn't know. Well, and you have the the um, Air Force Base, right? So right. Mm-hmm. Look at you never Space. know if they're flying in formation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see it a lot over Phoenix. You do see the Air Force stuff. And, you do. And not yeah. as much as you used to, because I don't think it's as, the Williams base. I think it's closed down. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. um, I know Luke is still active, but mm-hmm. you used to see it a lot more. But I mean, it wasn't yeah. an unusual sight. Mm-mm. And you would not think it was. Yeah. You'd, I mean, like a lot of people would just thought it was the military. So. Yeah. Until you found out it wasn't. <laughs> Until you found out it wasn't. Or at least they say it wasn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so what do you think? Do you believe this story? I believe in aliens, but mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about the abduction stories. Do you believe They're in ET? Hard for me. Do you believe ET was real? One hundred percent. Okay, good. <laughs> but he didn't take anybody with him. <laughs> do you believe you could it. make an intergalactic call with a speaking right. spell? Yes, I'm 100%. Okay, thank God for that shit. Of course, thank God. Okay. I, you know what? I don't see why this couldn't have happened. Um, <clears throat> granted, it happened two years before we were born, but mm-hmm. I don't, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't see why this could not, I, why this couldn't have happened. I think. Right. I think it's plausible. Like, it mm-hmm. could have happened. I do believe in aliens. Like Me too. Yeah. And I think so. us as a species have to be really fucking arrogant. To think that we are the only intelligent life in the universe. This vast. And considering universe. how many billions of years the universe was. Oh, seriously. I us. think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And we're not that great, to be honest. <laughs> like, I hope there's something a little better out there to give us a good example. Right? Be nice. Right? <laughs> I hope we're not the beta fish of the universe. <laughs> We'll just eat others if put in close proximity to us. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah. Oh, and the NASA thing. We should talk about the NASA thing. So, Yes, let's talk about it. I don't know what you're going to say. Oh, okay. So, um, and this was e- even um, kind of been hitting um, social media to the fact that, um, and I know it was on the news, that NASA has hired 24 theologians oh. to talk about the impact of what, um, I just saw this the other day. Yeah. What I think I did, I send it to you. I think I might have sent it to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that uh, what the impact would be on people and religion as a whole, all the different religions, um, if people found out that there were aliens, like, and the fact that they're doing that is very interesting. Plus, all the it stuff is. that just got released from. Have you seen any of the footage that was released from? Yeah. The government? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, who knew that, you know, the front man from Blink-182 was going to turn into, like, <laughs> a big... Um, well, he's one of the reasons that some of that stuff got declassified. 
I bet. Yeah. Oh, and then Harry Reid. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then Harry Reid, who was a big senatorial proponent for UFO research. He just Mm -hmm. passed away. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was from he was from uh, Nevada, right? I believe so. He was, yeah, yeah, somehow, and I can't remember, we did an episode on Skinwalker Ranch. He was involved in that in some kind of way. I think. Some Mm -hmm. kind of way. Um, Yeah, I believe in it. I absolutely believe in it. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it. I don't know. I mean, like I said, E.T., Intergalactic calls made with a speak and spell. That's about my extent of alien knowledge. Um, but I don't see why not. Like you said, I don't see yeah. why it wouldn't be plausible at all. I'm just very I got ignorant into it when I was that. younger. Like really, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just just ignorant. being interested by yeah, yeah. So yeah, I love that. I like that. The, you know, bringing this up, kind of talking about it, and there's I so much too. interesting stuff. Like it's so current right now. All the things that are going. Oh on. yeah, very topical. Yeah, and like coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have to definitely do some more UFO stuff because there's just so much happening. I just feel like it's mm-hmm. um, about to really come out more and more like that. It's a real thing. I think so, too. To the point where it can't be denied. Right. And there's a lot of really cool documentaries that um, are being made um, about about UFOs and aliens and things mm-hmm. like that, that um, I'm anxious to to watch when they come out um Mm -hmm. so yeah we'll we'll definitely see um how how it goes uh archie was bummed out that he wasn't able to join us for this episode because you know he loves aliens you know he loves (laughs) i think because he is one right (laughs) we may have figured some things out i think we figured some stuff out uh we gotta go guys i need to make a phone call um (laughs) anyway so yeah i i like this one and i i was um hesitant for a while to introduce and start doing ufo stories on the podcast simply because i I, in the beginning i wanted to make it just staunchly nothing but hauntings Mm -hmm. but the paranormal umbrella is large and in there are so many things that can fill this vast vast space so um, I'm glad that, that you and I decided to incorporate stories like this into our our telling every week because this was a really cool one. And I picked yeah, this one first one. because, like I said, it, it happened in Snowflake. And uh, well, yeah. and they made a movie about it. It's pretty it's a very well known. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I do know about the movie. I just never I've just never seen it. Um E.T. put me off on a lot of UFO movies because it was so heartbreaking when he left. And I've seen that movie twice. And that's it. Only twice because I bawl my eyes out every single time. But I absolutely know every single frame of that movie. It was just very iconic for our generation. (laughs) It totally was. I've seen it a million times. Oh, yeah. I would love it. Yeah. My family was sick of it. That and Footloose were like my jams. Oh, really? I've only seen Footloose once. Oh, I used to rent it all the time. Yeah. You know, my mom would take me to the, to the like, Blockbuster or whatever. It wasn't oh, even yeah. a Blockbuster then. Right. Like, Where you had back, to rent the know. VCR too? Uh-huh. When they still had beta. Yeah. Yes! And they would have the little boxes and you would take, we had to take, like, a little chip up to the front. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so. We're so, so old. So, yes, so old. I used to 
I would rent like the same, just like any kid. I would rent the same, the stuff same over stuff. And over. My mom was like, seriously, enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mine was always the breakfast. Cl- yeah, mine was always the Breakfast Club, or um, a million times, a million sixteen candles, million, sixteen candles, all weird mm-hmm. science, oh, um, yeah, all of the um, the good eighties stuff. The good, good eighties. Molly Ring. If Molly mm-hmm. Ringwald was in it, I was there for it. You were down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Michael Hall, love him to this day. Yeah. yeah. Um he was just in a movie. A recent movie that I was like, oh my god, Anthony Michael Hall's in this. I can't remember what it was. Shit. Ah, that'll be next week, EVP. I'm gonna find that out. Anyway, Laura, that was a fabulous story, and um I'm excited to do more UFO stories. In the meantime, why don't you let everybody know where they can follow us? <laughs> You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter at HOAH Podcast. And on the TikTok at HOAH Podcast, at HOAH Carrie, and at HOAH Co-host Laura. Yay! 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 So we want to say thank you so much, guys, for watching. Um, I did just, Laura, uh, as you were reading that, I just got a text message from Jennifer that Bob Saget has been found dead at the age of 65 in his hotel room. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That's kind of surprising. Um, It's a news article. Uh, She's a huge Full House fan, so I'm sure she's probably Mm. absolutely stunned. Um... But anyway, so our love and our thoughts certainly do go out to Bob Saget's family um, and all of his fans and hate to end the show on a downer, uh, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, it's not good time Charlie up in here. Generally, no. Generally, no. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so, so much. Uh, As always, we want to tell you to stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening or flying around your head and might beam you up by your stomach. Do not approach UFOs. Do not approach UFOs. Probably even stay away from just spotlights in general. Good rule of thumb. Good idea. (laughs) Bye, guys. We will see you next week. Love you so much.